This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. Put this one up on the Twitter poll, Tom. Are white guys soft? I think we are. Ed Werder, formerly of ESPN, got all hot and bothered because a woman for Sports Illustrated said, Hey, female journalist, why don't you DM me for a job? I'll interview you. We'll get you in. We'll see what can happen. And Ed's like, Women? I guess men can't apply to this job? I guess men can't be involved. Uh, calm the bleep down, dude. Relax. And here's the thing. Ed Werder, I didn't even know he was not working at ESPN anymore, but he'll get a job in the near future. Want to know why? Because he's a white guy. And this is an industry that is dominated by men. And specifically white men. Unless it's color commentary. Because then you're going to get athletes. Most of them are black. In the NFL. In the NBA. Did I say something I shouldn't have, Tom? No, I just think it's funny picturing Ed Werder like, reading through Twitter and seeing someone like advocate for women having a job and just him audibly being like, Women? What? This is an outrage! Women? <laughs> How dare they? Where do they get off, these women? Him doing that is the exact reason why she did that him flipping out at the prospect of a woman getting a look before a man is exactly why this writer for sports illustrated wanted women to get looks before men i'm all about hiring the best person for the job i really am but the issue is that women don't often enough get thought of to be good enough at this job women don't often enough get given the opportunity I wouldn't have had my job if I didn't get bass backwards lucky, man. I think in this industry, if you don't know someone, you're probably not going to get a job. And if you're a woman who doesn't know anybody, well, then you're really effed. So I did not like what Ed Werder did or said or continued to do. And now Ed Werder is getting chastised on Twitter.com every which way. And he's got his defenders. Leave him alone. Stay out of his mentions. Women every single day have to deal with that. Men don't. I get people to tweet at me and say, you're a doofus. You suck. Shut up. You're a moron. But nobody ever comments on my looks or my height or my weight or my face or my bodacious bottom. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, I can handle the abuse that I'll get whenever I'm a public persona. I sit here on the radio and talk to millions of people every single day, and you're going to get some backlash. I can dig that. I can deal with that. What I wouldn't be able to deal with is being a woman and having to take the awful onslaught that some of these women have to take every day. So I think Edward can be fine for today. He can get the Twitter outrage today. I'm sure he'll recover gracefully. And you want to know why he will? Because he's a man. In an industry that is made up of 90% women. But case in point, Katie O is in our cheese tees today. She works down the hall at Big 1047. She also works for the X. And somebody randomly 
posted, Katie is hot AF. I mean, I'll take a compliment any day, but I'm sure that gets annoying after a while. Like, I would hate that. I would hate to have to consider whether or not to be in a video because I didn't want to have to deal with what people were going to say. Like, that kind of stinks. Like, it could have been Jerome in the video. There was a discussion whether it was going to be Jerome or Katie. And the reason Katie didn't want to be in the video was because of that. I guarantee it. And intern Jerome is sitting over here. He's smiling. He's all giddy. I don't have to be in the video. You know what? Maybe you'd have been complimented, Jerome. Maybe somebody would have said, Jerome is hot AF. And then we would have seen how you liked it. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Josh Yoey going to be joining us coming up in about 13 minutes on the show. Josh uh, wrote on Monday about Phil Kessel possibly being moved and the Penguins thinking about all the trades they're going to make. He wrote today that Phil Kessel said, okay, trade me. It wasn't a demand. It wasn't a request, but it was a, yeah, if you want to, you can. Fine, sure. I wouldn't mind leaving. He's a little sick of Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan's a little sick of him. What a dumb way for this whole thing to end, though, wouldn't it? It would just stink. Phil Kessel leaving, getting traded out of here because he doesn't get along with the head coach, even though he put up 92 points this season even though he was one of the Penguins' better performers the last two playoff runs when they won the Stanley Cup. Again, I'm okay if he's not here because I do think that they could fill holes with the cap space, and I do think that they'd get a fairly fair return. $6.8 million to get 92 points. I think you can fetch something for that guy uh, on the open mar- on the market, trade market, pardon me. But I don't like trading guy because of a reason like that. If you want to trade Phil Kessel now because he's got great value, fine. But if you're trading Phil Kessel because he and the coach can't put aside their differences, that bothers me a little bit. You could wind up with the hockey team not being as good because you can't get over your petty little differences. That pisses me off a little bit. Either way, I think the Penguins are going to be Stanley Cup contenders next year. Uh, I think Jim Rutherford's going to get the absolute best for Phil Kessel, and if he does get moved. And I think that they have a nucleus that's good enough to contend for the championship regardless. The power play is going to suffer. But it's just a crappy way for it all to end. (laughs) After everything we've been through. 2010 through 2016, the Penguins did not live up to expectations. Enter Phil Kessel. Talk to... Mean Joe Green about the 70 Steelers, the dynasty. And he says, we didn't do a lot of winning before Franco Harris got there, and we did a lot of winning after Franco Harris did. Bob Labriola has written pieces on Steelers.com about how the Steelers dynasty changed with Franco Harris. The Penguins were underachievers until Phil Kessel got here. Remember that. Careful what you wish for here, Phil. Careful what you wish for here, Mike Sullivan. Because the marriage the last two years has been pretty damn good. Pretty damn successful for these Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the Penguins were lacking desperation last year. It's something that I brought up a little earlier on in the show. I think that after you win two years in a row, eh, you're not going to be as emotionally invested. Now, 
I don't think it's because you choose not to be emotionally invested. I think the Penguins, probably in the back of their minds, weren't going to try as hard in October, in November, in December. And then some of those bad habits, you just can't kick them over the course of the year. I do wonder, though, and this is a question for Yins at 4129222874, does the desperation get fixed with young blood by bringing in young players? By bringing in new players? Or does the disappointment of not winning the championship this last year, does that change the tenor and tone of the locker room? Again, I don't think it's that the Penguins weren't trying. I don't think the Penguins were playing against Washington and saying, eh, we don't want this because we've won the last two years. But I do think Washington wanted it more. Whether they knew that or not, I don't know. But to me, it looked like they did. That's not the only reason the Penguins lost the series. They made a bunch of boneheaded plays. They couldn't finish the two leads that they did have going into the third period. The video review in Game 2 didn't exactly help the Penguins either. But from an intangible standpoint... This, to me, stood out. I thought the Penguins were lacking some desperation. I thought the Penguins were lacking some want-to, and I think Washington had it in spades. They had been told year after year, series after series, game after game, that Alexander Ovechkin was going to die like Dan Marino. Well, they're both alive. But he was going to be remembered like Dan Marino as the great one who couldn't win a championship. And that this team was going to be the team known as the team as underachievers. And Nick Backstrom and Evgeny Kuznetsov and TJ Oshie and John Carlson, they were all going to be looked at as flubs. Matt Niskanen. So they wanted it. But now I wonder, Pittsburgh, if the way the Penguins see Washington winning the Cup can change the way that they behave this year or not. If they brought back the exact same team, could they contend for the championship again? Yes. But if they brought back the exact same team, would they have more of a commitment 200 feet to defense this year because they saw Washington win? Because they weren't the ones who were parading at the end of the year? I think yes. But I do think that Jim Rutherford is going to make some moves because I think he thinks it's necessary to do that in order to win as well. Bring in some players who you know are committed to 200-foot defense that can help the lineup from top to bottom. If I had to pick one, new blood or the disappointment spurring them on, I'd rather have the new blood and good players. I think you win with players more than you do a feeling any day. But I do think the feeling had an effect on the way the Penguins played this year. Your thoughts, 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, Josh Yowie of The Athletic. Sat down with Jim Rutherford on Monday. Wrote a story about what the Penguins offered for Max Domi today. It's... ESPN Pittsburgh. A special treat now for you and for me. For me, because I like Josh Yowie so much, but also because now he can talk and I don't have to. I can save my hungover voice. Josh just join us in studio now. He was in the neighborhood. He pops in. What's going on, buddy? You look like hell. I mean, yeah. I'm a little concerned about you, to be honest. You're you're ordinarily a handsome man, but you're you're struggling today. <laughs> it's not <laughs> good. It's not good. Uh, the beard is nasty. Uh, I don't remember even if I showered or not. Right. I, I think I did. I have sunglasses on. It's the middle of the day on inside. In the studio, he's wearing yes. sunglasses. In a ball cap. I yes. Yes. I... I mean, I feel I'll like try that. to carry things here. I, 
Well, you always do when you come on. Well, putting the pressure on me now, but we got stuff to talk about. So a lot great. of stuff to talk about. You can find it at The Athletic, which I have a subscription to now. I've been kind of going through back really? channels to, to read the stories, but today I had to. I bought it today. Wow. Yeah. I told Kabali I was going to yesterday. <laughs> he was on the show. And, I don't believe you. Yeah. I, I had been using logins that he gave me. I was like, ah, oh, these guys do good enough work. Yeah, I just pay for it. We appreciate that. Yeah. And honestly, what I always tell people, it's not just us. Like, it's if you're <laughs> interested in the NHL, NBA, whatever, there's like there's plenty of content for you, I promise. Yeah, I was reading all the Custis, Custance. Very Custance, yeah. It's a yeah, scary word to say. Be careful there, Crowley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was reading all of his stuff today, too. I'm, I'm very enamored with this time of the year. Uh, I imagine you might get tired of it. I don't know though. It's it's a good time of the year to be a hockey oh, it's fan. Fun, yeah. yeah, this is this is what the fans like the trade deadline and free agency day. And I find that the period from the draft, which is in Dallas this weekend until July first, the free agency day, I think that time period has kind of uh, become a bigger deal than the trade deadline. Even I, wow. I really do because you see so many trades. You know, on Phil Kessel, July 1st, a couple of years ago, you saw Jim Rutherford last year with the Reeves trade and the Hornquist trade all on draft day. That's like uh, when he likes to make his moves, and it's when a lot of GMs like to make their moves. I don't think there's anything better than following Josh Yowie on Twitter on draft day. <laughs> and oh, Jim Rutherford's walking over to this table. Oh, yeah. Now he's going over to this table and 4,000 retweets. Very good. Jim had to urinate, sorry. That's why he was walking in this direction. My bad, he's peeing. He's 69 years old. You know, come on. <laughs> what are you going to do? He's peeing next to Dave Poyle. What does that mean? <laughs> but you know what? Oftentimes with Jim, that does mean there's something going on because he is um, he's just so open. I mean, he, he you'll say, "Hey, Jim, you got something going on?" Uh, yeah, I kind of do. I'll text you back in ten minutes. That's just that's just how Jim is. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't hide it. He's the most transparent GM in in the history of GMs, I think. So when you see him talking with somebody, he was talking with David Poyle ten minutes before the Horn Quiz Neil trade. So uh, it doesn't always mean anything, but sometimes it does. You talked to him on Monday. Uh, you just wrote a piece today, Phil Kessel is okay with being moved out of Pittsburgh. Didn't sound like he wants to, but would be okay oh, with it. You know, it's interesting. I, I think Phil has had enough of Mike Sullivan, and I think maybe Mike has had enough of Phil. And we've been talking about it all summer. It's not a not a secret at this point. But, uh, yeah, I was told that Phil Kessel told the Penguins, if you want to trade me, trade me, basically. And uh, Arizona is the place that he would really like to go. And, and you know, you can connect the dots pretty easily. Sure. There, even in your state, we can connect the dots very easily. Um, <laughs> he loves Rick Tockett. Yes. And he doesn't like coaches, but he loves Rick Tockett. Coaches don't love him. No, but Rick Rick knows how to deal with him. And, and I, I think Rick, I'm sure, would be perfectly fine with having Phil Kessel on that team, but they have no money. And the That's plan, important. The plan for the Coyotes is to just get to the uh, salary floor this year. That's That's the goal. And you know Phil's going to be owed six point eight million. The Leafs will pick up the other one too, but that's still a lot of money. And I don't blame them because is he going to make them a playoff team? Probably not. Is he going to make them a contender? No, he would make them better. But that was still one of the worst teams in hockey last year. Even though they did have a pretty decent second half, that's not a team that's ready to be a playoff team. And that would essentially be a waste of money. And yeah, Phil's a name, but is he enough of a big name to draw fans in Arizona? I don't think so. He's not Crosby or McDavid. He's not on that level. So Phil would be very happy to play there. And I think the point is, if the Penguins want to trade Phil, Phil's okay with it. I don't think he's demanding a trade. It's sure. nothing like that. But 
He'll go if they want him to go. I don't think Phil cares that much. It's just that's how Phil is. He'll stay if you want. If you want to trade him, whatever. Does it sound like there's more smoke that it's picking up that it might be more likely that he's dealt now than you maybe originally thought? Maybe a little. Um, you know, it's funny, though. I I don't get the sense that Jim Rutherford really wants to trade him. Uh, he knows he's not going to win that trade. The GMs like to trade where they know, oh, this is an easy one. I'm going to go trade with Bergevin in Montreal. I'm going to win this one or whatever. You know, and Jim wins a lot of trades, much like Ray Shiro before him. That's right. when they're both at their best when they're trading. I don't think you win this one because Phil scored 92 points last year or whatever it was. And, you know, Phil's a great player. And because of his reputation, I don't think, fairly or not, I don't think you're going to get the return that you really should for him. And as a result, is it the best thing to just try to make things work with him and Sullivan and try to keep this thing going for a couple of more years? Maybe. I think it probably is the best thing to do. I think that's what Rutherford thinks. But I think there's a part of Phil that's ready to go, and there's a part of Mike Sullivan that wants him to go. So, yeah, the Penguins are exploring a little bit. This is really nitpicky. Josh Yoey joining us here on the Crowley Show. But I'd say that largely in the Crosby-Malkin era that the power play hasn't been as good as you'd think it would be. Now, last year was an exception. But I think last year's an exception because Phil Kessel was as damn good in the power play as he was last year. I don't – and, well, you know, Justin Schultz is a good power play player too. But I do worry – that if they do move Phil Kessel, uh, no matter what the reward, the return would be, I'd be worried a little bit about the power play. Absolutely. And the yeah. Penguins were very reliant on their exactly. power play last year. They don't make the playoffs if their power play isn't no. great last year. They don't. People forget they made the playoffs by three points. It, it was that tight. And uh, I, I would look at it this way. I would say Sidney Crosby is one of the five greatest hockey players of all time. You can rank Gino Malkin wherever you want. We know he's in the top 100 somewhere. And... Phil Kessel is the man who makes that power play go yes. without question. It runs through him. He is the decision maker. He is the best pure passer of the puck on that team. And that's saying something. But I really believe, not the best playmaker, but in terms of making, you know, executing difficult passes, you'll see Crosby and Malkin, especially Crosby, turn the puck over a ton on the power play. They'll drive you nuts, forcing plays. Phil never does that. He's a genius on the power play. He really is. So he makes them go in that regard, and he does give them that third option. He hates being on the third line, but if you want to go that route, he gives you unprecedented scoring depth, or you put him with Malkin, and you know those two really work together. So trading him is a risk, and he's a pain in the ass. He absolutely is. <laughs> and for all these Penguins fans, like, oh, Phil's this cuddly guy who was you know, portrayed negatively by the Toronto media, and that wasn't fair. No, nah, Phil's not, like, the nicest guy in the world. Phil's, Phil's incredibly difficult. There's a reason coaches hate him. Do his teammates like him? Yeah, kind of. I, I think, no, they do. I think they acknowledge, and I've talked with a lot of guys about Phil just on and off the record. Yeah. They acknowledge you couldn't have a whole locker room of him, but he's kind of the class clown. And you ever, you always liked having the one class clown around. The co the teacher doesn't like the class clown, no. right? But everyone else gets a kick out of That's Phil. Good. So, they no, the teammates never, in Toronto, Boston, no teammates ever had a problem with Phil. It's always the coaches that have a problem with Phil. But when it's that many coaches that have the problem with Phil, Fills the problem. Yeah, you get it. Uh, eventually, sure. You, you can't really be angry at Mike Sullivan, I don't think, for, for being aggravated with having Phil Kessel around. He makes his job more difficult. Josh Yoey of The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. You reported that for Max Domi, if the Penguins were going to acquire him, the players that were dangled out there were Dominic Simone, Connor Sherry, and Brian Rust. Mm -hmm. So that tells us a little something, huh? I mean, that tells <laughs> us the guys that are available. It does. And... um. Boy, 
the Simone thing's kind of funny. <laughs> I know Domi's been a disappointment, but they weren't getting uh, Max Domi. No, that, <laughs> what does Madden always say? All our good, all your good players or for all our players. bad players. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Um, but yeah, Sherry, oh, Sherry's no, over here. Sherry, you are. I'll talk for a minute here. Uh, <laughs> Sherry's no surprise. Um, he does score goals. He is a little overpaid. Yeah, we know that. And Rust is the interesting one. And if I were Arizona, that's the one I would have thought the most Agreed. about. Certainly. Maybe he's not going to score a ton of goals, but he helps you win in so many different ways. The problem for him is just how crowded the right wing is for the Penguins. If you keep Phil, you have Phil, you have Hornquist. They've made it very clear that Daniel Sprung's going to be on the team next season. He's not a fourth-line player. Those are your top three right wings. So you either have Rust as an overpaid fourth-liner because he's a restricted free agent. He's going to get a couple million. Or you have him on the left wing where he can play, but I don't think he's as effective. So because of that, I think that makes the Penguins willing to trade him. But again, he, he does not strike me as the kind of guy you want to trade. Now, you have to trade good players to get good players back sometimes. But, boy, Brian Ross is a really good player. I, I, I'd i certainly trade Sherry before him if I had to pick. Yeah, me too. And if I were the Coyotes, I would have asked for Sherry and Rust. <laughs> not uh, Simone. Not Simone. Uh, in fact, I would I would... I would ask for Simone just to shoot him off into the sun. No offense. I'm sure Dominic's a very nice young man. A lovely but, young man. Yeah, that's a, sorry about that, Dominic. I didn't, I didn't mean that. But, but, but yes, I agree. It just was, it's, and, you know, I was a little surprised Montreal offered Galchenyuk. Yes. For Domi. I mean, that's he's been a little bit of a disappointment, but it's former third overall pick, really talented player, and he has produced some for the Canadians. I don't think the Canadians are all that well run at the moment. So, no. So, you know, the uh, Canadi- there's a couple of Canadian teams. One's a little, uh, you know, not too far away from Montreal and the capital of Canada and Ottawa. They're having some rough times. Um, some interesting issues with the Canadian teams these days. Yeah, you know, I would not have minded seeing Hoffman in a Penguins jersey. Uh, although would have been good for your business, huh? Yeah, it would have been great for my business. Uh, I would love to have the girlfriend on the show. Yes, I think that would have been entertaining. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. He'd fit in. Why not? A little bit of drama. I'm sure she's not that bad. Oh, no. Well, maybe she is. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like she very she, well she might, actually be, might be. But yeah, she very well yeah, might I be. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, Eric Carlson's not going to be there anyhow, though, right? I mean, probably. Uh, no, no. So. no. I, I don't think he was going to be there before all of this right. came up. And, boy, if ever he needed a reason to leave. Um, See ya. Yeah. I, I would expect Eric Carlson could be traded as early as this weekend, in fact, in Dallas. And, uh, Boy, won't that be interesting. They, they don't make them like Eric Carlson very often. So they wherever really he goes, that that's a game changer. It is. Uh I wonder how in I wonder how Washington's gonna go about their offseason. I wonder if they have I don't I don't even know if they have space for, for stuff like Tavares or anything, but No. I mean that that one's not gonna fit. But if I'm them, I'm I'm doing whatever I can to get Carlson, their Carlson, to hold on to him. Right. I mean, that that's the plan for them. And, and who the heck's going to be their coach? I, I think Todd Rudin is the favorite. Yeah. I, that's, I tweeted this earlier. That's who I would hire. Um, I, I think, you know, there's continuity involved there. When, you know, Absolutely. He's, there. he's worked under Trouts, under Bilesmo. He's done incredible work with their defensemen. Uh, I've been told that Ovechkin and Backstrom love him. They like how he runs the power play. So why not give him his chance? Great guy, too. <laughs> so I'm certainly cheering for him uh, to get that job. And, yeah, John Carlson is their target obviously, for the offseason. They have the money to sign him. Uh, however, it's going to take probably in the neighborhood of $8 million a year. Yeah. And if you give him that much, you're giving Oshie that much for seven more years. The Ovechkin and Baxter make Kuznetsov's due for a massive raise. A lot like the Penguins, they're just going to be so top-heavy, and they have Holpe who makes a ton yeah. of money too. So, uh, But that said, 
you don't want to let a number one defenseman who's in his 20s leave. He led the league in scoring. He was fabulous during the playoffs. He helps that power play, which is just insane. That power play is ridiculous. It should be better than the Penguins on it. When you watch it in person, it's like, how do you stop this power play? Well, it was in the playoffs, right? No, it was. It just... For all the people who say, like, why do you leave Ovi so wide open? Well, look at the other guys out there. That's the problem. You want to give them tap-ins? Because that's... You got to pick. Exactly. Speaking of... Not really that. Daniel Sprong. <laughs> Did Sidney Crosby like playing with him? I don't know. I honestly it's it's hard to get a read from Sid. He um he will never even privately, he will never take a shot at a guy he plays with, nor will he ever go out of his way to say, Oh my god, I want to play with this guy again. Like even Gensel will say, Oh yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Like you just it's really hard to get a feel. Um I do know this, and this is kind of a weird, quirky Sid thing. He loves playing with right handed forwards and he hasn't had that many over the years like billy garen he played with for a while colby armstrong he loved playing with him in the early days of his career he's had a ton of left-handed wingers maybe gensel or sherry or dupuy kunitz all left-handed guys he really likes playing with right-handed players he said he just likes how just the visual yeah of having a guy with a stick on that side he, something about it he likes they had that great game together in brooklyn in january when sprong scored twice and set out a goal I don't think he dislikes playing with them. I just think uh, you know we, we need to let them explore a little bit here. And on training camp, I think we'll see it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that being the way they start the year. Uh, if Why not? He scored 30 goals, put him in there, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Sprong, well, listen, you have one of the great playmakers of all time, and you have a kid in Sprong who, I mean, my God, say what you want about his, his 200-foot game or whatever, but the guy's a gifted Naturally player. gifted. And you know when I made up my mind that Sprong was going to be good? You should hear Mike Lang talk about Sprong. And I, I listen to Mike Lang above anyone else when he says, my God, what a player this kid's going to be. Uh, he just raves about him every time you bring him up. He buys in. If he's good enough for Mike, for the Hall of Famer, by God, he's good enough for me. And uh, you you can see the talent that he has. And by the way, his defense wasn't that bad last year. I thought it was fine. And if the Penguins are going to do what you said that they are thinking about doing, which is going out and getting some other 200-foot type players, well, guess what? You can survive with a Sprung, especially if Phil Kessel's not there. Now, oh, again, yeah. a lot of moving parts. There are, yes, as always. Uh, last couple of things here uh, for Josh Yoey of The Athletic here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Josh, any free agents that you think the Penguins are going to be able to go after? I, again, I always I always uh-huh. go back to Grabner. I want that son of a bitch, but <laughs> I just don't think it's going to work out. No, I mean... Stylistically, I cannot think of a better fit. Oh, man. Uh, and I know they inquired about him at the deadline last year. They ended up opting for Broussard just because they needed the center, which I understand. Um, He's the one that jumps out. I, I wonder how much money he's going to get, though. He was really underpaid last year. I mean, really underpaid. Um, That won't be the case. He jumps out at me. Probably not going to happen. I have not heard any names. And, in fact, Jim Rutherford told me, he basically said, don't get your hopes up too much on July 1st because we're probably not going to do much as things currently stand. Okay. And you know, especially if they bring back the restricted guys, uh, it just it's not going to be a bonanza for the Penguins. But you don't want your team going crazy on July 1st. It never works out well. Speaking of which, mm. we haven't heard much about Ray Shero and the Devils, what they're going to do. Mm. And I've, I, think, I think they are a key piece or two away from being stinking good. They worry me as a Penguins fan, which sure, I am. They sure passed the eye test last they year. Really they really did. They give the Penguins fits. Uh, you look at the division right now, by the way. I mean, Washington, obviously. Columbus. Although, did you see the rumor that Panarin, Panarin? might be traded? 
would you think he doesn't like playing for torts? Maybe that's maybe that's, <laughs> that's a great. I, call point. me crazy. Is that maybe the issue there? He but, is damn good. Oh my god! But still, the, and by the way, how about a Kessel for Panarin trade just to see day one of training camp torts and Phil together? I would love it. I think that's what we need as sports fans. But the, the whole division, other than Carolina right now, and even the Rangers, they'll get good again fast. The Devils, they were scary good last year. They might add a piece or two. They're going to spend some money. The Flyers are back on the way up again. Where's Tavares wind up? Mm. What if? Here's one. What if he winds up in Philly? You want to talk about strength down the middle? Then yeah, that that would be scary. It really would. Uh, you know, Toronto still might make a pitch for him. Buffalo is yeah. going to throw huge money at him. If I were him, you know, I hear Las Vegas is a very lovely town. <laughs> They've got a lot of money to spend. They would love to have uh, Tavares and uh, Bill Carlson as your uh, top two guys down the middle. I think uh, I think that would work out. So no, and and, and I, I suspect you'll see Barry Trotz named as the Islanders' coach soon, or at least they're going to try. Yeah. And part of the reason is to try to lure Tavares to stay because everybody likes playing for Trotz. And I would imagine that Philip Grubauer might be a target there too. Why not? Yeah. Get a goalie. Show him that you're committed to winning. Yeah. Bring no, him in. Sure. No, no. He's he's got a lot of power right now, Mr. Tavares. Um, he, he's yes, a great he player in his prime. He's going to cash out in a big way. Everybody's going to be throwing money at him. Josh Osham. Oh, boy. Did you say Osham? Hey, Josh. What's up here, Josh? You poor guy. <laughs> uh, Josh, really appreciate the time, pal. My pleasure. Let's car- do it again. I carried it as best I could. You did. We'll, we'll do it again anytime. We learned like. things. In fact, did I miss anything? Maybe I did. I'm sure, but yeah. you know, you're, just keep the sunglasses on. You'll be all right. I'll be fine. Thanks again, buddy. You got it. Josh Yoey, The Athletic, here on the Crowley Show. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day. It's other crap and three stars of the show, which reminds me. If you have anything that you think I should use as the hottest take of the day, you should let me know. I'm hungover. Maybe I'll riff on liquor. I barely know her. ESPN Pittsburgh. I didn't touch on this much earlier on in the show, but did get into it briefly there with Josh Yostifer. Here's the deal. Artemi Panarin didn't sign in a long-term contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it makes sense because the guy's going to get paid an outrageous amount of money coming up in the 2019 UFA class. But he's one of the best Playmakers, goal scorers in the entire National Hockey League. He was dynamite in that series against the Washington Capitals. The round one series where they led 2-0 and then went to overtime in game three. And if they had won that, they'd probably see Washington not hoist the damn Stanley Cup. But I think we could see the division get that much more difficult this year. But at least if Panarin were to leave, if they were to have to shop him and Rumors have it that they will. I think you're going to see Columbus fall back a little bit. They're a solid defensive team, good goaltending, but they need him. They need to be able to score goals. And they made some additions at the deadline, and they were all aimed towards trying to get the puck into the back of the net. So if you lose him, you're effed. 
They might be effed. That being said, New Jersey scares me. Ray Shiro has to scare you if you are a fan of any opposing teams because you know he'll just lie and wait and he'll make a stealth deal. Maybe they sign Tavares. Maybe you put him alongside Taylor Hall, the likely MVP. Wow. Maybe Tavares winds up with Philadelphia. If he comes to the division, that's not good. We'll talk more about that coming up tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. little college football talk. Phil Steele from philsteele.com will be joining us. He also works for ESPN. He has a magazine, which I read every single year, uh, to teach me everything about how West Virginia is going to suck this year. He'll be joining us. Uh, fired up about that one. Don't know what else we got going on, but we'll get there when we get there. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. The Pirates have figured out how to save baseball. What do you hear the big problem is in the National Football League? I happen to think it's the lack of tackling and poor fundamental play and the inability to break people's faces now the way that you used to be able to break people's faces. But you'll hear some say, well, it's because those damn kids are kneeling during the national anthem. Well, the Pirates have figured out a way to combat that now, have they not? With Stephen Brault, maybe their best bullpen arm right now, singing the national anthem tonight. That's right. Steven Brault's going to kick this puppy off. I want to be a starter. Now you're not good enough. I want to be a high leverage bullpen pitcher. Well, you're not good enough. Can I sing the anthem? Okay, sure, Steven. No problem there. You can you can sing the anthem. It's okay. But now we're going to have the political right flock to baseball. The pastime that once was so great is now great again, just like this country. Because instead of kneeling during the anthem, we have their players not only standing and standing at attention, but the players are actually singing the anthem. Stephen Brault, true patriot. The Pittsburgh Pirates, true patriots. Major League Baseball, they're staying woke. And they're back. They're saved. All because of this failed starter singing the anthem. That's other crap. Woo! Other crap. Terrell Owens ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash yesterday. Yeah, he was seen running the opposite direction of Canton. Woo! Other crap. Enos Cantor's father has been arrested and will serve 15 years in jail. That Cantor be good. Woo! Other crap. You didn't like that one, Tom? Uh. Woo! Other crap. Did you see that Egypt lost to Russia in the World Cup? Yeah, they could have used some Mo. Salah goals. Woo! Other crap. It's been 498 days to pit basketball in a conference game. I mean, y'all know I'm hungover. You knew how that segment was going to go. That's uh, some great other craps. Yeah, uh, you knew it. You didn't like the Enos Cantor's father's been arrested and will serve 15 years in jail? That Cantor be good? No, I love that one. Oh, okay. Not as much as the Mo. Salah Gold's one, though. And that's comedy gold right there. 
It's time for the three stars of the show. Tonight's third star of the show, Dale Lolly. Dale, how are you feeling today? I feel great, Adam. I haven't done anything all day, but I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's second star of the show, GMJR's Bladder. Oh, Jim Rutherford's walking over to this table. Oh, yeah. Now he's going over to this table and 4,000 retweets. Very good. Jim had to urinate, sorry. That's why he was walking in this direction. My bad, he's peeing. He's 69 years old, you know. Nice. Come on. What are you going to do? <laughs> he's peeing next to Dave Poyle. What does that mean? <laughs> and tonight's first star of the show, Will Graves. There's that one song, you know, she's sitting by the overcoat, the second shelf, the note she wrote. I can't get myself to throw away. I love that song. I, I karaoke'd that song. I just can't remember the title of it. Is it over? Can I go to bed now? Can I go to sleep? I want to go to sleep. Who let the dogs out? As I mentioned already, out of turn, out of order, Phil Steele will be on the show tomorrow. Uh, talk about Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia football, uh, as well as favorites and all that fun stuff. Uh, it is Tuesday, June 19th. Tomorrow's the 20th of June. There's nothing else freaking going on. So I want to talk about college football. We're going to talk about college football. I got to take a nap. Coming up next, it's Tom and Tom, the golf show. wonder what they'll be talking about. Phil Mickelson, maybe? Shinnecock? Good night.